0: This is Edge of the Box, a podcast brought to you by
1: Whoscored.com Hello, welcome back to the Edge of the Box podcast, a podcast by Whoscored.com in association with Bette Victor. I'm your host, Dan Bardell, joined as ever by one of the Whoscored guys, Martin Lawrence, and everybody's favourite journalist, Jonathan Wilson, well at least he's my favourite anyway. How are we both? Very good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you, Jonathan. Although I will say you run close last week. Julian was was very good. I, I enjoyed having him on the show. Nice guy. Not good for him. Yep, <laughs> yep that's, that's, that's important yeah. our squad. Yeah, he's, he's good. In squad important. rotation. Bringing yeah. in, taking out one big game player for another big game player. I thought that was exactly. a nice move from you, Martin. Thank you very
0: much. Yeah, uh, yeah. I enjoy, I enjoyed Julian as well, but it's great to have. Great to have Jonathan
1: back. Steady pair of hands. Jonathan's the main man, isn't he? Good good to have him back on the show. we in some kind of contract negotiation here or something? (laughs) I don't know what we're doing. I don't know what we're doing. I feel like mine won't be getting renewed, whatever happens. (laughs) Let's start start the Premier League weekend preview then by looking at Leeds v Manchester City. Jonathan, I feel like Jesse Marsh has done a good job since he's coming at Leeds, but you look at their next three fixtures and the relegation picture in
2: general at the moment. And they're still in a little bit of danger. If you'd said when he came in that yeah, they'd go on a run, pick up 11 points in five games, you saw, they sort of say, ah, oh, that, that, that'll be enough, that'll get them safe. But yeah, they've got Arsenal away, Chelsea at home uh, to come after after this game against City. Uh, they then have Brighton at home and uh, Brentford away. So, yeah, m- maybe by the end of the season, that, that'll look a little bit more more straightforward. But they're, they're only, um, what, five points above Everton, haven't played a game more. And, uh, so and three points above Burnley. And Burnley, you know, have Watford to play. Um, and, and, so you know, you, you and, and then uh, it's Villa after that for them, isn't it? So, yeah, Villa twice. Two, well, three, then relatively, you know, games they could get points from without anything weird having to happen. And so you think, actually, yeah, maybe Leeds are in a bit of bother still. Um, but I, I also sort of think, you know, particularly Arsenal and Chelsea at the minute, aren't playing consistently well. So maybe they'll nick something there. Uh, and then they do have those two, two games at the end of the season when it's pretty unlikely Brighton and Brentford will have anything to play for. And I think by the end of the season, mid-table teams with nothing to play for. is probably what you want rather than teams scratching around the bottom. So, they, 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 yeah, of the three still in the fight, you'd rather be Leeds. But they are still in the fight. As Villa fans, Martin. I'm slightly anxious
1: until we win another game that we might get yeah. pulled in. So, like we've said, Leeds, there's a very real chance still. Yeah, definitely.
0: Obviously, those next three games, you you wouldn't be surprised
1: if they were sort of
0: maybe within a point or two of the relegation zone after those three games. And then that does put pressure on, doesn't it? Uh, I would personally expect Burnley to leapfrog Leeds this week, this weekend. Uh, they've got a better goal difference than Leeds. So, that will worry Leeds fans if that happens this weekend, and they'll be looking over their shoulders. As for Villa, yeah, um, obviously Norwich this week. If, if we don't win that game, then I'm not. I'm, I, I don't think I'd be too worried. Still, I, I think we've probably got too many points on the board already. But yeah, I, I, I'd rather have more. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, with two games against Burnley, who are fighting for their life who could then sort of catch us up were they to win those two games. Then yeah, that would start to look a bit worrying, but I think probably got enough points on the board.
1: Yeah. Probably the last team Leeds would want to face. Well, one of the last teams they'd want to face at the moment, especially with Burnley's unprecedented form is Manchester City. City had a tough week playing against Real Madrid. A lot of energy will have been used in that game. Jonathan, does it now rest many here?
2: Yeah. The, the priority for them is still the Champions League, given that's the thing they haven't won. Um, I think they look at Leeds and think, you know, even with sort of, I mean, you know, nobody really has a second string anymore. But a sort of, uh, you know, four or five changes that still should be enough to beat Leeds. They can still leave players on the bench and bring them on the last half hour if they need them. Um, I'm not sure I trust Leeds defensively at the minute still, uh, and 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 so you wouldn't have thought. I mean, your City's problem, in as much as they've had a problem this this year, has been occasionally they've dominated games and haven't taken their chances. You sort of think that shouldn't be a problem against Leeds, so yeah, I'm sure they'll they'll rest four or five, maybe maybe more, um, but I'm not really sure that weakens them much. Um, but yeah, like clearly, Real Madrid next week is is the bigger game for them. Problems at fullback
1: all of a sudden, Martin, for City. Fernandinho ended the game against Real Madrid. I think he's still trying to find Vinny Junior from that turn in the in the second half. They've suddenly had a few injuries and problems stack up there, haven't they? Stones going off as well, who was already playing as an emergency right back.
0: Yeah, I think that's sort of what got over maybe gets overlooked in these sort of title races. The fact that there's the part that injuries can play, especially in those in sort of key areas. And you're talking about oh Liverpool and Man City are going to win every game till the end of the season. If they get injuries in certain positions, then it throws a bit of doubt. Obviously Cancelo is back available so he'll he'll come back in and, and should be rested. So not too much of an issue there. Zinchenko will obviously keep his place. Obviously where they didn't play, uh well Sterling came off the bench so he'll probably start. Grealish didn't play a minute. Gundern didn't play a minute. So they're not bad players to come back in, are they? So yeah, they they've right, probably got enough. But there there are certain players who I think maybe Pep will be reluctant to rest. I mean the main one that you'd think oh he he should rest is probably Kevin De Bruyne in the form that he's in. Um but he is in that level of form. That, that, that there will be a concern that any points dropped at this stage does sort of hand the hand the advantage
1: over to Liverpool. Um, so it's a it's a tough situation for both managers to be in, really. So the 7-0 reverse fixture, that was the turning point for Kevin De Bruyne the season, Jonathan. Like Martin says, he's just in sensational form at the minute. You know, two, three minutes into the Real Madrid game, he's scoring headers. He just looks the business again at the moment.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, I I think on form, he's probably, he is probably the best player in the world, you know, when, when he's absolutely at his peak. I think he's, the, you know, if, if I were, you know, in this imaginary situation where I get put in charge of a of a new franchise, I've got unlimited money. I love this. And I, you know, I don't have any qualms about where the money's coming from. It's coming from a sustainable source. They don't torture people. It's fantastic <laughs> money, the cleanest money available. And I can build a team for the future of the world. I think Kevin De Bruyne is my first signing. What was, sorry, what was the question again? I, I seem to get lost. That.
1: <laughs> it, was just, it was just that was the turning point in his season. He seemed to really get going yeah. again from that point. Well, and, and,
2: and you know, he would had, um, he had a, I mean, a slow start of the season is, is maybe slightly unfair, but he had those injuries in the Euros, kept playing through them. Yeah, we had a yeah, smashed up face, and then he he got injured in a Belgium game against Portugal, didn't he? And sort of limped through uh, a little bit the the game when they lost to Italy. Um, and I, I think yeah, it took him a little bit of time to get over that, but yeah, he he clearly is back, and, and it's great that he's he's back in this good at the right time of the season. Um, I, I was I was interested. I don't know if you've um, I don't know if you read Diego Torres in El País regularly. Uh, he's yeah, you know, I think a brilliant journalist, now. I think he's always worth reading. But he's very sceptical of, um, uh, of, of De Bruyne. I have never heard of anyone being sceptical of De Bruyne, and particularly after the the City game away to Atletico um well of course he you know he got the whack and and, and it had to go off uh he was sort of talking about him sluggish on the turn not, not quite as sort of sharp as as, a, as an absolutely top class player and I don't agree with that but I find it fascinating that people can can have that opinion um and yeah maybe if he if he I mean I thought he's brilliant the first half against Real Madrid last week um and yeah maybe if he if he you know if he does have a one of his stellar games in a in a Champions League final or a second leg of a semi final, maybe that will will persuade, yeah, you know, those doubters who apparently do still exist. I'm not sure I agree with that either. I think he just looks
1: maybe a bit more awkward than than players do doing those things standardly. But I think. You know, he's he's one of the best at everything. De Bruyne, I was shocked to learn, though, that in your world domination, he would be your first signing, not bringing me in as your number two. I was aghast. Players, players, I'm talking about players. Just players only, of course. Backroom staff is a given. Backroom staff. I mean, Martin Lawrence's T-boy, absolute (laughs) get to get through the door. Let's look at the, the form rankings then. Is De Bruyne anywhere on there? He's right at the top, yeah. So, like I said, the reverse
0: fixture very much a, a turning point for him. He, he'd, he'd actually gone eight games without a goal or an assist for City before that, heading into that game. Since that game, 23 games, uh, 23 appearances, 23 goal involvements, 12 goals, 11 assists. He's only failed to get a goal or an assist in six of those 23 games, which is a remarkable output for. A midfielder. Uh, obviously, he can play up front, and he does play in an advanced position. But those numbers are pretty wild, even for even by his standards. So yeah, he's he's top of our form rankings, just ahead of Bruno Gamares, who we'll come on to. uh Who yeah keeps getting mentions in the, in the pod in the last few weeks for good reason. He's second, followed by Son, and then Eriksen, who we'll come on to in a in a second as well. Ivan Tony still clinging uh, in fifth. Ken sixth. Tiago seven, Zaha eight, Saka nine, and Cancelo ten. So yeah, book ended by Man City players, but De Bruyne is
1: uh a way clearer at the top. I was harsh there, saying about you being table. I that, that was out of order. We all know that you, of course, would be a tackle success coach. Yes. That would be the job that's you'd be boying so, yeah. for. Yeah. yeah. That's it. <laughs> um Talking, I mean, I'm, I'm belittling you here, but I haven't done a basic thing that needs doing before this podcast. I was asking for your score predictions, and I didn't submit any. Was I supposed to? You didn't did not, to? yeah. Well, of you course, course, you for supposed them. To. Was you I supposed to? You didn't I think ask. I did ask for them.
2: I think did you I did. Jonathan pretty did sure you ask. I, did. I, I just well, sent them because sent them. I'm a professional. I, know, I mean, I, I sent them quite late because I, I, you know, the running no. order didn't come through until quite late yesterday. I had great. other work to do. Yeah, also, that's... no template again, so it's
1: very confusing as to whether you're supposed to submit them or not. So I'll have to do mine on the fly, but Jonathan... Oh, or or your... you just sort
2: of don't get any points this week. Yeah, Throw it back at me. Maybe, get, still the maybe league. get docked points for... Uh... <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, waiting to list. see what we've predicted, is that really... Yeah. All right, I'll go first for everyone. Go first,
1: yeah. I'll go first for everyone then. Okay. Leeds-Man City, 3-1 to Manchester City. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, 3-1 to Manchester City. Yeah, 3-1 at oh, okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> As if by magic. Now, before we catch up with Sam Boswell from Betvict, let's just have a little talk about the signing of the season. It was very hard to do this because basically it feels like nobody made a good signing in the summer. I'm sure that's not the case, but none of the big signings have particularly worked out. Martin, who have you got? Sort of I wanted to touch on it
0: because Bruno Guimaraes' form is—he is second in the in the league for us. He's got the man. He's got our man of the match award in each of his last four games. So yeah, he's he's had a huge impact uh, on how Newcastle are, are playing. Obviously they they they'd upturned before he ever he was actually starting games. But yeah, he he looks the difference maker for them now. So he he is our highest rated new signing. Uh, based on starts alone because obviously he he made maybe six sub appearances before he even made a start i think uh so it's bruno Gomares first for us then ericsson in second luis diaz third kuliszewski fourth so the top four are all january signings uh the highest rated summer signing which probably won't go down well is, is now actually cristiano ronaldo given the form that he's hit of late i think he's got eight goals in his last five now uh, so he's he's overtaken the likes of Connor Gallagher, who's had, who's sort of dipped off in the last couple of months, hasn't really had the same impact in the final third, at least. And then it's sort of rounded off by another three January signings in Bentancur, uh, Coutinho and Hassan Kamara of Watford in 10th, which maybe shows sort of the, the level of the new signings this season. But, yeah, certainly those top four, I think, have been really impactful for their for their clubs uh, in in. Sort of their achieving their goals. Obviously, Newcastle were fighting survival when Guimara came in. I would say the same for Eriksen. I was really worried about yeah. Brentford. I, I genuinely thought they were they were on the slide, and I thought they'd go down. And obviously, they haven't lost a game with Eriksen starting. So he's been a uh, obviously it's a, a fantastic story, um, but been a really really important addition for them. Diaz obviously has given Liverpool sort of real thrust in the in the title race and in their sort of pursuit for four trophies, which is remarkable, and Kulusevski as well, uh, helping Tottenham sort of fight for that top four, where they probably looked a little bit shy of that uh, heading into January. And obviously, Conte was quite sceptical and quite almost belittling of the of the transfers that they made in January. But those two additions, Kulusevski and Bentenker in particular, have, have really sort of given them the boost that they needed. and they, And they were able to get rid of a, a few players who were sort of maybe not bad eggs, but just hop, hop, holding the team back a little bit, maybe
1: disrupting things a bit. So, yeah, turned out they had a great January. Yeah, I plumped for Christian Eriksen. He was going to get my vote like you. I was worried for Brentford. I thought they were going to slide and get, get really pulled into the, the bottom three battle, but they've moved away and Eriksen's been sensational. And, of course, it's a wonderful story. Jonathan, did did anyone get your vote?
2: Yeah, I mean, I probably would go Luis Diaz, just because I think he's... He, you know, he's allowed the other Liverpool forwards to, yeah, you know, to have a rest and, and to play with greater freshness. I think Sadio Mane, you know, has had a new lease life playing through the middle. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot being made about how he and Salah never used to assist each other, and there's you know all kinds of stories about you know, their relationship not being great, and and how potentially that Senegal-Egypt rivalry could could cause that to tip over. But actually, they have been assisting each other the last sort of six weeks or so. But one of the reasons for that is that they're playing much closer together because Maro is playing through the middle. Um, I, you know, I think if Kieran Trippier hadn't got injured, I think he'd made a huge impact in Newcastle before Guimaras did. Even that it was yeah. Trippier who, who who caused that initial upturn, but obviously he's missed the last I don't know how long it is six six weeks something like that two months yeah. he's been out. And you know, you look back last summer, and you know, the other player we were both raving about, sort of three or four months into the season, was Tommy Asu, and he can't get a game now. Um, which isn't really his fault. You know, he, he fell out through injury, and then um, uh, uh, Cedric Charles came in and has, has been has been really good. Um, but I think he probably was the best signing last, or the most effective signing of last summer. Ramsdale as well. You can make a case for in the early months of the season, but I think his form's dipped off a bit. Um, but yeah, it's it's been the been the January signings who, who've been the really impressive ones.
0: Yeah, I, I actually before we move on, I, I did put together an eleven, a best eleven of new signings, just just because I'm I hadn't had time on my hands, um, <laughs> and it was Jose Sarr in goal, just ahead of Ramsdale. Maybe he gets forgotten a bit. Walter Sarr was maybe. someone that popped
1: into my head, but it's just yeah. not it's not
0: spectacular. They've got, had much. a really good obviously season defensively. Yeah. Tommy Asu is the right back, uh, Kamara, who we mentioned, is the left back. The two centre backs are Dan Byrne, who's obviously had a big impact as well at Newcastle. And uh, Ibrahima Kanate, who looks really solid, uh, sp- specifically in the Champions League, he's he's been he's been excellent. The midfield three is Gallagher, Guimaraes and Eriksen, just at the point of that. And then the front three is Kulusevsky, Diaz and Ronaldo. So I was quite
1: happy with that 11. It's a nice 11. Anything to add to that, Jonathan?
2: Just that the algorithm overrates goals and Ronaldo shouldn't be anywhere near it. But, you know, you know, I think that that's not even an algorithm but There's, I mean, there's, there's market, not a lot of competition though for,
0: to be fair there's not a lot of competition for striker like for a center forward sign. like who's It's been a poor season center be? forwards. Yeah, no, yeah. In general All not round, just new signings
1: yeah. there's not really been yeah Football has changed, hasn't it? Football has it moved has. on from the goal scoring centre forward bizarrely. Let's catch up now with Sam Boswell from Bet Victor and look at the relegation markets. We're joined now by Harry Redknapp from Bet Oh, no, it's not. It's Sam Boswell from Bet Victor in his car. Sam, do you want to just explain why you're in your car in case people get concerned?
3: Uh, yeah, we're moving house today and uh, the missus has given me all of about five minutes off. Uh, it's absolute carnage inside, so I've decided to come out and chat to you guys about what looks a really tasty relegation battle uh, this weekend to to have another instalment, see who's going to edge closer to the drop.
1: Yeah, and what, what's going on with those markets? It's, it's quite an interesting one at the moment because Leeds probably aren't out of it. Everton, to me, look the favourites now and Burnley have obviously been revitalised.
3: Yeah, I, so Everton five to six favourites to go down. I think part of that comes when you flick through some of the fixtures they've had. Obviously against Liverpool, for all they didn't have much of the ball, I did think they showed plenty of fight. Uh, Burnley 13 to 8. They they have definitely been revitalised. Whether that run will continue or not, it's going to be down to, I suppose, just how much is going to be left in those players who who have definitely shown a real upturn in form. Leeds United though, 4 to 1. And I think that's a pretty big price when you look at who they've got to play. I watched the Palace game and I thought they were fairly, I'd say more fortuitous than not to get the point out of that match. Um four to one looks a big price down and they have got some tricky fixtures ahead.
1: Yeah, their next three are a horrible... It wouldn't surprise me to sit and take zero points from, from the next three games. So if I was a Leeds fan, I'd be looking nervously over my shoulder. We're about to preview Everton v Chelsea. Is there any interesting markets for that one, Sam?
3: Yeah, I, I I think so. And This is a game that we really... If you're an Everton fan, they've got to take something from this just to get the momentum going. Frank Lampard's return is obviously going to be pretty interesting as well to to punters out there. Chelsea to win both teams to score... 29 to 10 that's been boosted too if you think Everton are going to nick a point and it ends 1-1 we've price boosted that to 7 to 1 Mason Mount to score anytime as well boosted on there um i i wouldn't rule out Everton f- just finding enough to get a point here i thought chelsea didn't take their chances against man united uh, yesterday evening as we record this and they got punished for that uh, chelsea 3 to 4 to get the win at goodison 13 to 5 the draw everton to pull off an unlikely but much needed win 18-5. to five. Uh, Another great weekend of Premier League action in store. We edge closer, don't we, to the culmination of, of this season. And the relegation battle for me is definitely going to be where a lot of the attention's focused. As ever, we hope everyone enjoys the football. Do gamble responsibly. Best of luck, whatever you're betting.
1: Right then, Everton against Chelsea. Frank Lampard, of course, playing. No, he's not. Frank Lampard, of course, managing against his old team. Where does he sit in managerial appointments this season, Martin? So there's a handily, there's been ten uh, uh, appointment
0: or managerial changes within the season. So excluding the likes of Nuno, who was who's before the season, Bruno Lage. So there's been there's now been ten following the the Sean Dyche, the surprise Sean Dyche, uh dismissal. Um, if you were to include sort of Mike Jackson within that, then he's he's actually top in terms of the rating change that he's inspired from the previous manager. That's how we've ranked it. So the team's rating under the previous manager compared to under the new manager. So uh, it's actually Mike Jackson at the top. And I, I guess everyone would expect Eddie Howe to be top or at least That would have been my behind. guess. Yeah, he's actually in, in our ratings, he's actually fourth. Uh, still still gone up a lot. Uh, the rating's improved 0.21, which is significant. And they've actually gone up 10 places. They were 19th when he arrived and they're ninth now, which is pretty remarkable. So perhaps a bit harsh, but their rating still isn't great <laughs> under him. Um, but they've just improved markedly from Steve Bruce Ball. Jesse Marsh is actually second. Obviously only seven games for him, so small sample size again. If you look at play, uh, managers that have had a sort of a decent run at it. it is Conte just ahead of Howe followed by Gerard and Smith and then Ranieri. so Ranić's seventh out of ten then it's Ranieri then Hodgson and Lampard is rock bottom of the ten uh their ratings decreased by 0.07 so Ranieri Hodgson and Lampard have all had a negative effect on the team's rating Watford's an interesting one because they've actually got I think it's Hodgson's got eight points, Ranieri's got seven and Cisco got seven <laughs> in his seven games in charge. So they've all got the same. So they've had no new manager bounce whatsoever throughout the season, despite making two. So yeah, Lampard is is rock bottom in our ratings in terms of the,
1: the change since he took over. I don't even know where, where, where to go with, with that, Jonathan. I'm hoping you've
2: got something to say off the back of what Martin just said. I think the odd thing with Everton is that they they actually started the season really well yeah, I think they do they have 14 points in seven games? I think I think that's true. Something like that. Yeah, uh, and, and, well. uh, and then then the injuries hit. You know y- Yeri Mina got injured. Dominic Albert Lewin, I think, was injured after three or four games, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Um and, and sort of a, they slowly accumulated those injuries and then confidence was lost and they could never get it back. Um and I I know Benitez was massively unpopular with Everton fans, but I still sort of think that they'd have been better off. I don't know. Maybe they reached the point of no return that the, the atmosphere was too negative and it just couldn't go on. But once you've started to reshape the squad to a manager's vision, to then sort of pull the plug on that, sort of, you know, not even halfway through the, that reshaping. So then you have a Luca Dean situation, um, just seemed very, very odd. Yeah. Uh, you know, new signings have come in who don't really seem to, to fit or make any sense. I mean, Deli Ali's done, I mean, maybe that's a Deli Ali issue, but has done nothing, van der Beek's barely made an impact. Um, So, yeah, I I don't, I wasn't particularly impressed by Lampard as a manager at at Chelsea. I also don't think he's particularly to blame for what's going on at Everton. I I don't think he's obviously hasn't made any better, um, but I think the slide had started. Um, It was partly injury-conditioned, but then there's also much bigger issues in the background. So... Uh, you know, when he was appointed, I did think, and you just saw it a couple of those home games. Like one of them, I think, was against Brentford in the cup, wasn't it? So it doesn't really, it doesn't really matter um, that he might just by being who he is be able to get a reaction at home, get get the crowd whipped up. And for two or three weeks, that sort of worked. And then they had to run a home, of, of away games, and were were dreadful. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, yeah. It, If he does take them down, you know, the first relegation in 71 years, that's obviously a terrible thing on his CV, and clearly he will bear some responsibility. But I also think it was an incredibly difficult job for him to take on. I don't quite understand, when he'd been so, apparently, so picky about jobs, why that would be the one he'd take on. It just looked, you know, it just looked a dreadful job to take. And, you know, if I'd even if I'd been like the Everton board, so thinking, oh, Benitez is getting all this flack, I still almost rather have had him there to to, to draw the fire and draw the yeah. anger of fans, because Benitez, whatever else you think about him, he is incredibly thick-skinned. He didn't care what fans think. He didn't mm. care what didn't care what the board thinks. He just does his own thing. You know, he he fell out with the board at Newcastle. Didn't matter. Yeah, you know, he, he he had plenty of wrangles with the board at Liverpool. Didn't really matter. Uh, all kinds of sort of arguments at Napoli. Didn't really matter. Chelsea fans hated him. He took them to fourth. Um, in that kind of. Sort of slightly toxic environment. Benitez is, you know, not not the worst person. I I, I suspect that had the Benitez on, it wouldn't be quite this bad. Wouldn't be quite this bad now. They certainly wouldn't have got beaten five the at Tottenham the way they did.
0: They were they were 14th when Lampard took the job, um and now they're 18th. So,
2: but but, but yeah, but the trajectory not, was already down. That's my point. Yeah yeah yeah. But, it's not it's that not, 14th was, not was largely based on those first seven games. Yeah yeah, and the, but they had had a slight upturn in under
0: Duncan Ferguson, who had obviously steadied the ship before in an interim role. like Whether they could have stuck with him, I don't know. Maybe that's not a sustainable option. But yeah, I think Jonathan touched on it, the the, the transfers and and the timing of that, getting rid of Dean. Even they signed Amaro Ghazi before, uh, under Benitez. He's played 11 minutes. Uh, completely pointless signing. Uh, just not joined up thinking, which is what you've come to expect from Everton. And they were probably the only club in the league, who maybe made their better signings in the summer, with Gray and Townsend had a good start to the season and have and been often. phased out a little we bit. Because like one point yeah. one
2: point six, one point eight million. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: in and then they went after maybe some names, some profiles with Van der Beek, like Van der Beek and Ali, and that hasn't worked. So,
2: I mean, what you're yeah. yeah, watching that game last Sunday, the idea that their net spend was bigger than Liverpool's over the last six years is <laughs> just isn't it, yeah. <laughs> And it that's wasn't crazy. just that; it wasn't even that they were outplayed. It was that they didn't even try to play. It was they 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 went in that game and said, "We're not going to score a goal here. We're going to try and keep you down. If we can keep you down to naught, brilliant. But basically, we don't want to ruin our goal difference." And that 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 was yeah. That's how you go into the game if you were you know you a conference side playing a Premier League team in the FA Cup. So I think, well, keep it to nil nil, and maybe we nick a corner or something. It, the the idea that you were the biggest spending team is 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 awful, I mean it's just. I can't think of another club in in English history that's been so spectacularly mismanaged. I mean, obviously those clubs have gone bankrupt, but you know in, in, in terms of a, a club of that sort of stature that, that that's yeah I mean probably not going going to go bankrupt uh, to waste that much money. Yeah, I thought I were going to say something else. A... Yeah, I, I ran out of steam. Sorry. Okay. I, I, thought, I, I thought I'd try and do it by tone of voice rather than by saying words. Uh, do you know you think? That, it is very bad. It is bad. It is bad. That's Your turn, Dan. Come on, Dan. You're cute. No,
1: that, that stat is incredible. To have a bigger net spend than Liverpool over the, the last six years, that is that's one of the strangest things I've ever heard. I know it's happened. <laughs> It just doesn't make any sense when you look at the so two teams.
2: If you got a, like a flying saucer over your left shoulder,
1: <laughs> no, it's a light. It's a light. Ah, right. Okay. Of course, I shimmyed the wrong shoulder there because obviously it, it, the, the way you see yourself <laughs> on the screen. No, no, it's it's, it's just a light. No flying, no flying saucers here. But yeah, that. I mean, the mismanagement from Everton, all over the all over the club, and now they've got this new stadium, Martin, as well. If they go down, that's an absolute disaster. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Yeah. Was, there's been a lot of talk recently about whether they're the biggest they would be the biggest club to go down. I know you and I would have a would have a word to say about that, but they've been um, they've been the top three. Right? Yeah and so and Jonathan would have a, a a word to say about that as well. Yeah. Relegated many times. So it's, it's surely
1: used to it by now. <laughs> did you froze or did you just not have
2: to <laughs> no, I, I I do <laughs> <laughs> Six league titles That's all I'm saying Yeah
1: Let's look at Chelsea now I watched them last night Against Manchester United Pretty dominant performance But I really didn't do enough To get the ball In the back of the net Going to be a bit of a rebuild In the summer Now Martin asked us Jonathan to come up With five players To do this rebuild around And I only came up With four And one of them I'm not really 100% (laughs) sure of Did did you manage to get five?
2: Well I think there's two Who are really obvious Who are Rhys James And Mason Mount Yep Yeah. Had them Um I think it's really difficult. I mean, Mendy. There's no reason to replace Mendy. Mendy's very, very good. So you build the side around him, though, would you? But, yeah, but Mendy's secure. You're not. Know is but, he very but, good? If well, he's 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 pretty good, I think. Mark, Mark, uh, yeah. And I'm, no. like, he's not a priority, is he? To to change him? No, 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 I agree with that. The goalkeeping priority there is to to offload Kepper. That's a huge loss. So there's there's three. Defense obviously is 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 going to be obliterated. The middle of defense. So I guess even though he's 342 years old, Thiago Silva, <laughs> you are building the, the team around because I mean, you know he's he's still playing very very well and doesn't yeah doesn't he isn't playing like a 37 year old. Um, I and it looks like Rudiger's going now. Uh, Christensen's going. Asperadqueta's position's in doubt. So yeah, for some kind of continuity, I think you want him. I guess you then say Havertz, but I think Havertz has been brilliant. But he is a very, very talented young player. And I think now you can see that the preferred front three is Mount Havertz and Werner. Uh, But the problem is, as we knew last season, that doesn't have enough goals in it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they Mm -hmm. tried to to, to sort that by bringing in the kaku. That that hasn't worked. Uh, I think you you look at the midfield and you probably say Kovacic just because he's the youngest of the three but he's 28. um yeah right. but i i think probably realistically you're looking at at uh, kante and Jorginho, who are 31 and 30 and thinking because uh, their contracts expire in next summer don't they,
0: 2023.
2: 2023 yeah mm-hmm. so, so one of them you you probably say okay we'll keep one and move one on just to keep the mm. you know make, make sure you're not they're not aging together So I I don't know. I I personally, I would. I I, I think if you're keeping Kovacic, Kante gives you something a little bit different. You know, Jorginho and Kovacic, I think, do many of many similar things. So you move Jorginho on. So you then have Kante and Kovacic, is is sort of your two deep line midfielders. So, I, I okay, have I got up to seven there? I think, Six. <laughs> yeah, you've passed so, five. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so Mendy, yes, Thiago Silva with a level of reluctance, but acknowledging that in a year or two you've got to replace him. Uh, Reese James, yes, chill, assuming he comes back from injury, not a problem there. Uh, Kante and Kovacic mount, and then question mark over Havertz and a question mark over Werner. Yeah, well I had Mount and Reese
1: James. I had Havertz, but for me I don't think he does enough. I think arguably Werner does more for that for that team than Havertz, but maybe that maybe that's just me. Chilwell, if he's when he when he's fit again, no problems, like Jonathan says. My fifth one was Conor Gallagher coming back next season. Mm. I think two coming in the
2: And that, that is very, an immediate uh younger player coming to that midfield. Yeah. Uh so so uh, yeah, Gallagher coming in for Jorginho, I think makes sense. Or you know. If they get a massive offer for Kanto, then then take that. But 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 yes, that that would make yeah. sense to me. They were my, they were my five.
0: Martin, very smart. Then I didn't even think of that. Gallagher, well done.
1: I, I assumed that was what um... we were getting at with with that little game. But <laughs> yeah, obviously, uh, yeah. it was
0: just me. So the the, the top five uh, in who's got ratings out of starts are Chilwell. Obviously, not a lot of st- uh, starts, but agreed. If he's if he's fit, then he's a very good left wing back in that system. Uh, Kovacic is second, James third, Mount fourth, and fifth is the one that was sort of the interesting one to me. And from starts alone, it's actually Ruben Loftus Cheek, and he's a player who you maybe he's not a player to build around, so to speak, but he's a player you wouldn't have even considered would be in the reckoning for to to keep around ahead of the season, really. And he, he's he's done done a real job for Chelsea in a, in a number of different positions, so a handy player.
2: But you can't um, build haven't. around him because you can't trust him to be fit. Is the issue? No, I'm, yeah. so, I'm not saying get rid of him. I mean, I definitely, I think he has had an impressive, impressive season. Yeah, a good squad he player has, who, who, he has... who may graduate something better, but at the minute, because he because he never plays more than 20 games a season, you mm. can't rely on him. Yeah, I think he has stayed. I don't know if he's
0: had injuries this season or whether he's obviously just rotated in and out. I think he's sort of he's got he's 11 league him. starts and another sort of 12 sub appearances. So I don't think he's really had any too many fitness concerns this season. Uh, but yeah, I do take your point on that. So yeah, th- those, those are our top five, but Gallagher's a, a very good shout as well. But the the, the one that I'm sort of, I, I would probably be looking to offload Kante of, of the players that you could make a bit of money out of. Like like Jonathan said, they're out of contract next summer. He's, th- he's 23, uh, 31, sorry. Um, so yeah, he's a, he's a player who I think has been on the wane for maybe two seasons now. Had an excellent sort of knockout phase of the Champions League last season, didn't he? He was superb in that sort of later stages of that. Um, but in general, yeah, I think he's actually sort of regressed a fair bit over the last two years. So he'd be one, especially if they have genuine sort of designs on bringing someone like Declan Rice in. If they, if they were to make that move, then you don't need to Kante. Obviously, it's great to have have options, but that sort of midfield doesn't really... It would work, it wouldn't be a problem, but they are similar players. So, yeah, he'd, he'd probably be one I'd be looking to cash in on, as well as obviously they've got big problems with Lukaku and how they how they manage that situation. But, yeah, they're going to need to make some money out of
1: players as well as sort of yeah. just moving them on. That's what they've been good at there over the last few years, Chelsea. They've, they've always managed to do Generally
0: that. with young academy yeah. products. Yeah, yeah, open. yeah.
1: yeah. I'm just starting to think about Declan Rice and Conor Gallagher as a potential homegrown Chelsea central midfield, and that, that excites maps, me. So I think Declan yeah. Rice is yeah, I think Declan Rice is going to do another year at West Ham by the sounds of things. Let's get our predictions for this one then. Everton v Chelsea. Oh, I'll have to go first, don't I? I will go for 1 <laughs> 1. Oh, 1 1. Channeling my inner Jonathan here. <laughs> we're not that bold, we're going two one Chelsea. Two one to Chelsea. I'm not really sure what I'm basing the one one on, but I think they've maybe had a few one ones at home recently and that, that stayed fresh in my mind. London Derby next, West Ham v. Arsenal. West Ham unlucky to lose to Frankfurt at home last night. How big a risk is it, them, Jonathan, for banking on the, the Europa League? Because if they finish seventh and eighth, they may not end up in Europe at all. Well, seventh to get Conference League. Do you want uh, Conference League? The West Ham want Conference League?
2: Yeah, why not? I mean, I, I, yeah, you look at the the quality of the sort of semi-finals of the Conference League, and it, it's really high. I think it's still exciting. I, I don't think, um, yeah, you know, I, I, you know, obviously the Champions League is the premier European competition, but I, I just sort of think being in Europe is nice. Uh, one year, one you want yeah, to get beyond I take that. it. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't, yeah. In, in the same way, in the old days, UEFA Cup was was clearly the, the yeah you know, the higher quality competition than than, than the Cup Winners' Cup. But still, if you were in them, you were in them and you tried to win them and, 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 and great. And I think West Ham have, have you yeah, know, fans have really enjoyed the European competition this season and the Conference League would be another opportunity to do that. Obviously, they'd rather be in the Europa League or, or in the Champions League, but I still think you'd take it. I'm not sure how much money you, you really make from, from, um, from the Conference Well, to be honest, I'm not sure how much money West Ham would make from Europe anyway, Given that the way the market pool is divided, were they to win the Europa League and go into the Champions League, they would their revenues from the market pool will be four percent of what Chelsea would make next season, which is scandalous. Hmm. Um you know, the way that the ladder's been pulled up behind the big clubs is, is is appalling. So but I just don't think it's about money. I think it's about the, the you know, they're having fun and it's a it's a competition, they've got a chance of winning, and they're playing against you know, teams like Severe and Antwerp Frankfurt and, and Lyon, uh, teams that you don't play regularly and you get to go to, to foreign cities to play them and it's all hugely exciting. Uh, I, I just don't think there should be any consideration of, oh, maybe we shouldn't. I mean, you can't not prioritise the European semi-final. That's, no, there's no, no, no point no. playing football if you're going to do that. So, yeah, look, obviously, <laughs> obviously they'd rather finish sixth. If they don't do that, they'd rather finish seventh. And if they finish eighth, they a lovely run in Europe, and, and yeah, sometimes there's a cost to to nice things. That cost is Declan Rice, though, isn't it? If
0: they finish outside of Europe, if they finish eighth, obviously Wolves are three points behind with a with a game in hand. I think the plus for West Ham is that Manchester United are above them <laughs> and very much catchable. Uh, I, I do think, yeah, I think it's just the, like the risk of sort of of um, resting those key players. Obviously, they rested uh, Rice, Bowen, and
2: Antonio, didn't they, against Chelsea? So they do, do, you that again really, do you really think that Declan Rice's decision on whether to stay West Ham is based on whether they are in the Conference League next season or not? I think it could be. An, I
0: could, think it could be a factor. Yeah. I, sure, I, yeah, I just think in terms of the the sort of money that will be obviously that West Ham will demand, but I think could actually come in for Declan Rice. He's just uh, he's a player who's just developing. A, I think a really rapid pace, and he's. But just, I, I, like,
2: I think the offer of Champions League football would. Would be a draw from anyway. I don't think the it opportunity to play would. in away gaming as Perbeda Prelep is going to be what keeps them at West Ham. <laughs> I don't know whether no, they even a real place. <laughs> it's, yeah, they, they were. They were, Yeah, I don't even. I don't. I don't know how they're doing now, but they, they were long-term Macedonian <laughs> <laughs> champions. Okay, who well, that. Never,
0: but <laughs> the, is is the UEFA Conference League enough to keep? to convince him to stay because i think the the consensus is well, that's he stays, that's, that's what I he stays one <laughs> <laughs> no i know <laughs> yeah but if they if they don't get sixth, so so say they miss out on okay. they don't win the europa league and they end up finishing seventh or eighth then is he is he gone like is it i'm not saying't finishing silly, sixth, but
1: tiny if they get
0: the europa season. league i think he stays one more season if, if is he doing don't, one
1: more season anyway yeah. Oh, I, I don't know if him, he does. He's not I going to sign a contract. I was cashing on him next summer. Get another year out of him.
0: If they finish eighth and someone comes in with 120 million or something, can they turn that down? Can can? Well, he I think if they finish sixth, not they not won't turn the that thing? down. I think they probably might for one more season because the money will come back again that season well, well, next summer. on sort of unlock like a bit of money, let me tell you. They do, so, but it will be back next summer. He's he's he's, he's that good. Like there's, there's no risk that he.
2: But there's a risk he gets injured. And uh, you know, Rice himself might sort of think, well, you know, Chelsea are offering this now, or, or whoever I, mean, I don't think he'd go to Manchester United now, but I think if Chelsea came in with a good offer. If if the new owners look excited, yeah. um you might he you know he, he might think, Well, yeah, you know, I, I get to play with my mate Mason Mount again <laughs> and <laughs> I you know I get to play Champions League football. Um I don't have to slog around Macedonia every Thursday night. Uh, I don't know why I'm not aware of Macedonia. I'm sorry, <laughs> Macedonia. No, that team you mentioned has definitely been in a Wilson book at some point.
1: 100%, 100%. I know they've been in a Wilson book.
2: Uh, yeah. I next novel. I think there's a significant uh, my novel's available. Uh it's called Streltsov. Uh it's yeah. um it's uh, uh, to be honest, it's uh uh you know it's it's a very moving book. I so am I'm tearing up just talking about. It. Um <laughs> I think there's a very good chance Rice might leave anyway in the summer. We spent a lot yeah. of time on Declan Rice
1: they're longer than I anticipated but <laughs> if left Chelsea gets sorted there's nowhere for him to go. City and Liverpool aren't coming in for him. There's they're, talk they're... of City. There's talk of City recently like the last week. I don't think they will just because like, you got got... I'm not saying they shouldn't by the way because I think he's exceptional but I just think well, it's like, Chelsea or Chelsea or and...
2: leaving means they do need a player in that position. That's I mean right. obviously you, you, yeah, that's a, you're going from a 36-year-old very much fringe player to somebody who be absolutely at the heart of your plans and yeah when Rodri's done so well this season maybe there's no need to do that but on the other hand they've got the money and he's a brilliant player so maybe you do yeah and do you that. you wouldn't want to watch Chelsea sign him if, if you're
1: Man City basically you, yeah that's yeah. also Not that true, right? that close. no that's true well let's come back onto the, the West Ham v Arsenal game a little bit then someone we missed out actually on the signings of the season who no, I did think of and then forgot about it again Erdegaard captain at the mm-hmm. moment, potentially going to be captain next season, full-time. Real coming-of-age season for him, Martin. Potentially not the sort of character
0: that you would see as a captain, but he has been captain of Norway for the last for the last year, and I think, obviously, it's, it's easy to look overlook, obviously, being so young still, what a journey he's had in the game. What was he, 15 when he sort of burst onto the scene in Real Madrid? I can't remember how old he was when they signed him, but maybe 16. But he's... He's he's had sort of quite a journey in his career, so he's he's more experienced than any twenty-three year old, is he? Uh, that you'll find really, uh, but yeah, he's he's really developed, and I just think he he's embodying now everything that Arteta wants. And it's the work rate off the ball as much as the sort of improvement in his creativity on it that's that's been sort of most impressive. I think is that his his tackles per ninety have have almost doubled from last season. Uh, don't ask me what his completion rate is because I haven't looked it up but uh, yeah his tackles for night have almost doubled since uh, over his last 20 games over each player's last 20 games in the Premier League he's he's joint with Kevin De Bruyne for the most chances created from open play so I think when he came in and had that loan spell last season he was just maybe a little bit safe which can be the case for, for young players coming into a new league but I think what was telling—he had a nearly, nearly a 91% pass accuracy, which for an attacking midfielder is is outstanding. But maybe points to the fact that he was just sort of playing too safe. So his you wouldn't usually sort of praise it, but his pass accuracy dropped by over five mean, percent. That's just telling in the sort of in the sort of passes that he's making. And when you looked at it at the start of the season, you'd, you'd think he was the one that would be rotated in and out with with Smith Rowe, maybe Martinelli, but he's. Pretty much first name on the team sheet, maybe even ahead of Saka now, just in in terms of his importance for that side and the, and the press and yeah the creativity that he's now bringing. Yeah, he's he's really kicked on this season, and it's just a case of can he avoid the Arsenal captain curse? I
1: guess because um, they haven't had a great captain for for a while. Let's look at combined eleven. Then I'm excited about this combined eleven. I just think this will be a really good team. Bar striker, Jonathan. Did you do one? I did. Well, it, I hey? think
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna cap, I I think we could be very close. I think this is the closest we could ever be to who scored in Jonathan
1: 11. I'm gonna jinx it completely, but we'll oh, I think, I'm gonna say the same. I think you're gonna be exactly the same. Oh, that's, let's, that's
2: go, let's go for let's go Well, for I've it. gone John Lukic in goal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so
0: so uh,
2: this, this is uh, only players who are available for for this game, right? Yeah.
1: So yeah, I've got Julian on last week. Martin didn't tell him the rules.
2: Ah. Uh, Yeah, so I've gone Fabianski in goal. Uh, I would have have had
1: that as well, but that's that's where we've gone wrong already.
2: (laughs) I've gone fullbacks, um, Cedric and Cresswell, Gabriel, left side center back, right side center back, um, and I've gone for White just because he plays with Gabriel regularly. Uh, back in midfield, um, Rice, obviously, and Suchek, uh. Odegaard just in front of them. Antonio the centre forward, and then Bowen right and Saka left. I'm going to be honest, you didn't go the way I thought you would with that, Jonathan. It ended well. It ended it well. Ended well. Uh, <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah, so, so there are a few changes, but not a lot. It's better than usual. So we we have got Ramsdale, despite that dip off, but he's now very very close between him and Fabianski. The rating difference is point zero two. The fullbacks are Tommy Asu. Now he's back fit uh, ahead of Cedric um, and. Cresswell on the left. Our centre-backs are Ben White and Kurt Zouma. I know you won't be having Zouma at all, and that's no, fair enough. Zouma ahead of Gabriel. Uh, we, it can't affect his ratings, unfortunately. But, yeah, uh, back in midfield, Rice, Suchek. Yeah, the, the front six, completely the same. So, Rice, Suchek, Odegaard, um, Bowen and Saka flanking Antonio. So, yeah. I assume Party may have...
1: Been into the suit. Yeah, he probably based on this Sunday. Seasons four. Yeah, but injured. Yeah. Score predictions. Then I have to go first. I will say West Ham one, Arsenal two. One one. One one. Martin. West Ham one, Arsenal two. No, oh, well, i have to do well so far. You're matching with someone every game. So yeah, good, right. good, good skills from the safe. Skills there. Safe. You're going too safe, then. Going too safe. This is. Day, have we have we got the table? Do we know? Do we know where we are, recently? We don't. I said this to Rollo. I said this to producer before we came on. It's gone out the window. Predictions because yeah, I, well, really I don't want to talk about to it. It's not important anymore. Well, we missed him. We'll bring
2: it up for the last yeah. episode. Don't you know. worry. And then oh, other yeah. people have done my predictions for me, and it's, yeah. yeah, it's really thrown Jonathan off. Yeah. I mean, he was already doing so well. He's literally says
1: that other people doing them for him, hasn't it? Yeah. I was Let's timing on my now. run so yeah, for March, <laughs> April, and then yeah, it is. I suppose it is difficult. all these injuries, with all ins and outs. Yeah, yeah it, it's hard to get any consistency. We move on now to the just a minute section. Jonathan,
2: Europe first: Newcastle against Liverpool. Yeah, I think this might be quite difficult for Liverpool. Actually, you know, the mm. they've been in great form this year. Uh, only lost games they could afford to lose. Um yeah, Jurgen Klopp isn't happy that it's a twelve thirty kickoff on a Saturday. Uh, they they probably can can afford to go quite hard at this, given that the VRL game should be wrapped up. But yeah, there's got to be half an hour on that game coming up next Tuesday. And Newcastle have been playing really well recently, up to ninth, taking thirty two points from fifteen this year since that defeat to Cambridge in the cup. Um, Bruno in 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 great form, as we've said. Uh, it's three one to Liverpool at Anfield. I think it'll be much harder than that. Newcastle without Fraser and Hayden. Trippier and Wilson not too far off returning. Uh, Maybe placed on the bench for them. Uh, Firmino, Jones, and Simikas, uh all doubts for for Liverpool. So I think Liverpool probably will just have enough, but they might have to press the Dvirgarigi button. But I've got them winning two one. Oh well, that's
1: kind of ruined things a little bit because I need to go first, Erna. Just bear that in mind, Jonathan. In future, just oh, it's, it's fine. Fun. Okay. I don't but care. I don't I care. Going, I was going different score anyway. I was going to go Newcastle, nil, Liverpool, one, Martin. We got two, one, uh, Newco- uh, Liverpool, sorry, not throwing the title. Liverpool. <laughs> Martin, you have the pleasure of previewing mm-hmm. Aston Villa against Norwich.
0: Yeah. As we mentioned, with Villa fans beginning to look a little nervously over their shoulders, this will be seen as an absolute must win to dispel any danger of being sucked into a relegation battle. Gerard's men are without a victory in five, but did put an end to a four-match losing streak last weekend, uh, with a solid defensive performance in particular. Record signing from Norwich, Emi Buendia, has now started just once in the last two months, and has found the signing of Philip Coutinho something of a blocker to progress that he had made. Uh, The Argentine continues to look bright in cameos off the bench, but will no doubt be becoming a little bit disillusioned at the moment. So return to his former club for Villa fan Dean Smith, whose Norwich side desperately need three points or they could be relegated this weekend. In truth, Burnley's back-to-back wins have probably condemned them to the drop regardless, with Norwich now having suffered as many defeats as they've scored goals in the 22. Uh, Jacob Ramsey scored a stunning solo goal in the reverse and signed a new five-year deal in the week. That was Villa's third win in the spin against Norwich, and if they don't make it four, the fans will certainly make their frustrations clear this weekend. We're going
1: for 2-0 Villa. 2-1 to Villa, Jonathan? 3-1 to Villa. 3-1 to Villa. Southampton Palace for you next,
2: Jonathan. Yeah, it's a funny game, this. I mean, it's, it's what, 13-3-14th. And yet Palace seem to have been massively praised this season. And they have been they have been good. And you can see that things have improved in the Villa, and they're playing better football. And the fact that they've, they've done it with so many uh, young local talents is impressive. But they are still two points behind Southampton, who seem to have been terrible for all but about a month of the season. Uh, they've only won one of the last nine, Southampton. Uh, Palace, their form has, has dipped away, possibly partly because of their, their cup exertions. Uh, one draw and three defeats in the last four, including that cup semi-final defeat to, to Chelsea. But every time they seem to get going and get some momentum and get some praise, th- things, things go wrong for them. Uh, Livermento's out for Southampton with his ACL, which is keeping out for the season. Mitchell and Milivojevic uh, doubts for Palace. It was 2-2 at Sellers Park early in the season, but given a bad sentence form, Palace should just nick this. I'm going to say 2-1 to Crystal Palace. I will go 1-1, probably a James Ward-Prowse free kick. Martin?
1: Yeah, 1-1. 1-1 as well. Martin, time for Watford against Burnley.
0: Yeah, as we touched on earlier, this is sort of the the battle of the new manager role against the new manager bounce. Uh, Watford have only got eight points in 13 matches under Hodgson, which is only one more, as I mentioned, than they got under Cisco Munoz in seven games at the start of the season. They've now lost a remarkable 10 games in a row at home, which is four more than any other team in Europe's top five leagues have lost all season as hosts in a row. Uh, Mike Jackson and co have picked up seven points from just three games by comparison. In the decision to dismiss Sean Dyche, is looking something of an ex- inspired one, having been widely ridiculed at the time. Including the couldn't Yeah. Well, I, I did. I should say this is going well into my minute, but I did it's want hard. to raise the point of whether um, whether there was some reasoning behind it. That was the talking point, wasn't it? So hmm. I'm taking some credit. The Clarets, sure. could, <laughs> the Clarets could move five points clear of the drop and Leapfrog leads in the process with a win, uh, third win in a row here. That's something that they've not managed in the league for over three years under Sean Dyche. Vidra was the the match winner last time out and should start against the club for whom he scored the most goals in his career with 38. Defeat here would all but relegate Watford as well, leaving them needing maximum points from their remaining four games and hoping Leeds lose their remaining five. Difficult to see beyond what would be a significant
1: step towards a great escape for Burnley. 2-0. I'm a chicken in a nil-nil. Why not? And I'll split the difference say 1-0 Burnley. 1-0 to Burnley, thank you very much. Wolves, Brighton, up next for you, Jonathan.
2: Wolves are eighth, still in that chase for uh, potentially overhauling West Ham and getting into the Conference League. Um, they're th- you know, three points behind West Ham, they do have a game in hand. The The issue they've got is they do have the, the top three still to play, so it's a maybe, maybe that'll be too much for them. They are eight points above Brighton and 11th, though. So, both teams have had... Pretty odd form in the last sort of month or so. Uh, Wolves have won three and lost six of the last nine. Brighton, having had that run of six defeats in a row, uh, have improved a bit in the last five games. Two wins, two draws, and that defeat to to City, which I think you probably forgive them. But still, as ever, their problem is scoring goals. Wolves also don't really score many goals. Uh, Basuma suspended, Modo out, uh, Lamptey and Samiento are doubts. Pedence and Kilman are out for Wolves, and Ruben Neves... Might be back after six weeks out, but probably won't be starting. Uh, it was 1-0 one, one, to Wolves at the Amex, and I fancy him do the same again. 1-0 Wolves. 2-0 away win, Brighton. Martin?
1: 1-0 Wolves for us as well. Your last game to look at is Tottenham v Leicester, Martin. We'll say last week when we had someone else on, Jonathan, Martin gave himself more of the work, but when it's back to you, you have to do more games. Yeah,
0: Well, I hope
2: that's reflected in the fees.
0: Very much so, yeah. Did you intro the game that I'm doing? I think I did. Did you? No. Okay. Well, if I didn't, Tottenham v Leicester. Off you go. (laughs) Thank you very much. (laughs) Tottenham will hope to leapfrog Arsenal back into fourth, even if only momentarily with a win ahead of the Gunners' trip to West Ham, with both sides facing potentially favourable opponents. Like the Hammers, Leicester will undoubtedly have an eye on their Conference League second leg at Roma next week and certainly look subdued in last week's stalemate with Villa. They only mustered one shot from inside the box against Villa last week. Uh, Having dropped five points from the last two matches, failing to score, and being outshot 27 to 14 by Brighton and Brentford, Antonio Conte will demand a response from Tottenham. Harry Kane is now without a goal in five, but has scored a remarkable 16 goals in 13 Premier League appearances against Leicester, with whom he had a short loan spell alongside the fit-again Jamie Vardy in 2013. Tottenham scored 28 goals across their last 10 meetings with Leicester, who have 16 themselves in that time in this fixture. So here's hoping these two don't record back-to-back nil-nil draws. Uh,
1: We are going for 3-1 to Tottenham. I'll go 2-1 to you, Spurs. No, not Martin, Jonathan. 2-0, Spurs. Confused myself by saying you Spurs, it completely threw me on my own worst enemy when presenting. Last game to look at, Jonathan, is Manchester United against Brentford.
2: Oh, Brentford are in great form at the minute. Uh, since they brought Eriksen in and, and Tony returned from injury, uh, so, you know they they both um uh came for bench against Newcastle and although they lost that game since then. They've taken 16 points from from seven games, but now up to 12th and absolutely flying. Relegation is a is a uh, those relegation fears of a, a distant memory now. Uh, United won it 3 1 at Brentford, um, but their form has disintegrated since they've only won two of the last 11 in all competitions. Um, only scored nine goals in that time, which Ronaldo's got eight, which I think sums up the problem for them. That Ronaldo does keep scoring goals, but he causes huge amounts of problems elsewhere on the pitch. Um, uh, loads of injuries to both sides. So Fred, Sancho, Cavani... And Anwan Bissaka will dance for United, while Shaw, Pogba, Maguire, definitely out. Onyeka, Jorgensen, uh, Goddard out for uh, Brentford. Pinnock and Canos are doubts, but Aya and Norgut should return. I'm going to say 1-1. I'm going to go Manchester United 1, Brentford 2. Martin?
1: Same. Oh God, I thought I was being yeah. so edgy and <laughs> cool and niche, calling cool <laughs> Brentford to win, and then you've been exactly the same. Really, really disappointing because <laughs> <laughs> I went so big in the way that I did it. I think we've got a Saturday three p.m. treble, haven't we, Martin? Oh, yeah, i in week. I'll get, it, I'll get it out the you way. It's me that cost us again. Yeah, you. Fr-
0: I've thrown in a Sunday treble as well because we didn't have a bet builder for this week. Cool. So yeah, the Saturday one. Uh, uh, the who scored tip for that one is a uh, score draw in Southampton against Palace. Uh, Both teams have scored in the last six meetings between the two at St Mary's and they rank equal third and equal first, respectively, for draws this season. 27 draws between them, so score draw all over it, that one for us. Uh, Dan, you went for Villa and over 2.5 goals,
1: is that right? I did, I did, against Norwich, yep.
2: And Jonathan? I went Burnley to beat Watford under three and a half goals in the game because neither side scored many goals and Burnley are better. I just yeah, a, banker. I, I reckon that's a gone good one. under
1: under two point five there, and you'd have been okay. I, I would say so <laughs> right you risk. could have, I right have. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But, yeah right. I've brought
2: two one into the equation, and three zero. Yeah, you have yep. yeah. Yeah. So you, you've yeah. thrown them at the door. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that the, the, the that? treble oh, he goes
1: into, he goes in there. What does it come out as? It was thirty one to one, which seems big to me for
0: that for that treble. Boosted to thirty. Yeah, I know thirty six to one. They've boosted that. So yeah, just to recap: Villa and over two point five goals against Norwich, Burnley and under three point five goals against Watford, and a score draw in Southampton Palace, thirty-six to one. Mister Victor, it. I think you've got that wrong. <laughs> 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 I, I <don't> <laughs> and awry. then, yeah, we've we've kicked in a little Sunday treble as well for the three games. Uh, the first one is Kane to score, as I touched on his record against Leicester. He's got twelve goals in his last nine games against Leicester. They're his favourite opponents. Uh, Arsenal to win and both teams to score against West Ham. Just think, West Ham will will take their eye off the, off this game and have it firmly on the Europa League. Uh, so we see an Arsenal win and both teams have scored in the last in nine of the last twelve at West Ham in this fixture. And Chelsea to win and over two point five goals. Uh, they've won nine of the last ten away games and they've been over two point five in five of the last seven of those. So yeah, Kane to score, Arsenal win and both teams to score against West Ham. Chelsea to win. And over 2.5 against Everton, that was 14 to one, but they've boosted it all the way up to 20 to one for that as well. So, two good treble prices there from BetVictor. Very happy with those. Uh, thank you to the guys at BetVictor. Yeah. But obviously, if you are getting on, getting involved in any betting this weekend, we ask you to gamble responsibly and only bet what you can afford
1: to lose. Two that are, are well worth getting on. There, I will say. Yeah, yeah, I like yeah. them. I'll, I'll be Unreal. on real a real chance to take some money off BetVictor Victor and have their pants down, which we like to try and do. That does us for this week's iteration of the Edge of the Box podcast by whoscored.com in association with Bet Victor. Do join us again next week when we preview the Premier League action. As always, if you're not subscribed to the channel with your post notifications on, then if you could please do that, we'd really, really appreciate it. As I say, we'll be back next week. Enjoy all the football at the weekend and stay safe.